My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 88 of Legally Clueless. I'm super excited that you're listening to this podcast. I really do appreciate it. And if you want to join our online fam, we are on Instagram at Legally Clueless Podcast. And on Twitter, if you're going to chit chat, just use the hashtag Legally Clueless. So first and foremost, I'm so ready to move from this apartment block. Today has just been hectic. Like last episode, it was a mosque making noise and the kids. This time around, one of my neighbors keeps turning their water pump on and off in 10 minute intervals, which makes it so hard for me to record. I'm just like, okay, either you turn it on and let it pump until you're satisfied, then turn it off, then I can start recording. But this on, off, on, off thing is just, what are you doing? So I like stomped outside just like, hey, whose water pump is that? (laughs) But anyway, I'm calmer now because I think they are behaving. Well, coming up in this episode is a story on 100 African stories that I think, unfortunately, quite a few people can relate with. Not only in terms of this year because COVID just has crazy ripple effects that include unemployment. But this has been a problem, at least for Kenya, it's been a problem for a long time. I am an unemployed Kenyan graduate. I had passed quite well because I had gotten an A minus. I remember procuring an Insta fundi to do my dress for my graduation. It was the situation for what you order versus what you get. But that was a hard day because I was so used to being top of the class. Everyone is like, now you will get a job. Now that you have graduated, now you will get a job. First forward to March 2020, COVID-19 hits Kenya and I was deemed (sighs) non-essential. March, April, my depression was kind of at bay because the whole world has shut down. So we are all the same. It feels like what I need now is to find a job. It's such a big deal that I have put my, my happiness on hold because I can't wait to get a job to be happy. You know me, I thought that the world ordered to me to get the job. So that's a story by Mercy and you will be hearing the full story a little later in this episode. I've actually just come back into the office because my neighbor and this water pump, oh my god. (laughs) I just had to go and like knock on their door again and be like, come on, I asked you for 20 minutes. It's been five minutes. Why would you turn it on again and do this on-off thing? Ah. Anyway, I am now calm. How was your week? (laughs) I hope much better than (laughs) my Sunday is panning out to be. Ah, On my end, I genuinely have had such an amazing week in terms of my spirit and where I am on a personal level. It's not that anything grand happened. It's I'm just at a really good space. And two main things have made me very happy this week. One is I finally said no and stood by my no in a professional stroke business space. So I said no to a potential client whose terms of engagement didn't match mine. A couple of months ago, that would have scared me to do because maybe not months ago, maybe towards the end of last year into like January this year, 
I always thought that if somebody approaches you, an organization or a business or whatever, approaches me to do a partnership with me, that they were doing me a favor. It took me a very long time to realize that I'm bringing value to the table and also as a business and as an individual, I have my terms of engagement that need to be met before I can do a good job. And if those are not met, then it's okay to walk away. So I finally did that this week and it feels really great to be able to be so clear in my vision to know what's not for me and to walk away from it. Second thing is, ah, I'm so infatuated with being alive in the moment and loving my body and exploring my sexual identity. Oh my God, Adele 10 or even five years ago didn't think that this was possible. I had, I think, given up on ever loving my body again. And to get to a point where I can do that, where I'm like, again, exploring my sexual identity, exploring my body. It's just such a beautiful space. It's a space that as a survivor of sexual trauma, I never ever thought I would ever get to. So that is like really fueling me. Even like when shit happens, like you have shitty days, (laughs) like today with this crazy neighbor. (laughs) The joy that I have because of where I'm at, in that regard, just overshadows any nonsense that could be thrown my way because I nobody else can understand it the way I can. How much darkness I've had to battle to get to this point. In fact, I'd actually recorded a video. Remember in the other episodes, I told you that I've started getting into like creating video content as well. And I have recorded a video where I talk about self-care and I talk about doing things that are healthy for my mind, body, spirit, and soul. So if self-doubt doesn't win, <laughs> I might just share that video this week. It's edited and everything, but I'm just like, I don't like my hair. I don't like my eyebrows. <laughs> no, seriously, like when the self-doubt creeps in, as far as video is concerned, I pick at such stupid things to kind of justify not putting out that video eventually. But fingers crossed that I do. On to the song of the week. Ah, I really love this song. I love, oh, the music video. You have to, have to, have to check out the music video. It's basically a work of art. That's what I think. And the artist's name is Victoria Monet. I think that's how you pronounce her name. And the name of the song is Moment. Oh, my word. It's such a beautiful song. I really love songs that sound like the motion of putting sheer butter on your melanin skin. Does that make sense? (laughs) Oh, my God, Adele, what is that? No, but seriously, like... Have you ever like rubbed sheer butter onto your skin? And in that moment, it's it's such a, I think in, in, in it's actually a thing actually in therapy where it's like a mindful exercise. It's called a mindful exercise. There's a term for it. And I know this because we talked about it while designing the Safe 247 curriculum. There are some activities that force you to really confront your body. And for me, it's like rubbing sheer butter or like minor lady body butter that's the brand that i use when i'm rubbing it on my skin it's just like yes so these songs that i love that sound like what that motion <laughs> would sound like if it had a sound <laughs> please 
I know that sounds so strange. Just check out the song. I'll put a link to it in the description of this episode. I really want us to get to 100 African stories because I think this is a story that quite a few people can identify with. It's something many are trying to navigate, especially during this pandemic that has a ripple effect of pay cuts and job losses. And the story is by Mercy, who is an unemployed Kenyan graduate. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. So my name is Masi. I am from Thika, Kenya. I wasn't born there, but I was raised there for the better part of my life. I am in the season of my life where I am an unemployed Kenyan graduate. I want to start by talking a little bit about how that came to be. Growing up or coming to be, I have always been the above average student, the one that kind of passed, kind of, you know, was not being beaten by my teachers uh, in primary school. And I proceeded to, to high school where I also did quite well. I remember uh, the year 2015, when I was receiving my KCSE results, I don't think my parents really <laughs> thought that I would pass well. My dad actually had asked my sister for my index number because he did not think that I would give it willingly <laughs> because, you know, maybe he also expected that I wouldn't pass well. They didn't think I was reading hard. Even my mom just a few minutes before I I received the text, she was taking me for a walk. She was she was taking me for a walk to tell me or to like you know help calm my nerves and tell me even when the results vile zitakuja zitakuja if you get a C it will be okay if you get a B it will be all right. <laughs> but as we were taking the walk, as we were like just a few meters away from the gate, actually my dad called us back. <laughs> And uh, he informed us that the text had come in from his side because me had not sent it. And I had actually passed and I had passed in Kenyan system. I had passed quite well because I had gotten 76 points. That's an A minus. And suddenly the opportunities looked quite promising. I could have now become a doctor, an engineer, architect. The possibilities were endless. And I remember uh, my dad usually will sit me down after every like stage. So after primary, he had told me, oh, now you have done this. Now you're getting into high school. And then now you're getting, so now it was time for uni. So he sat me down and he told me, now you can do pharmacy. Now you can do medicine. So even while he was, you know, everyone was drawing me all this, you know, possibilities. I could be a lawyer, be a doctor, nurse, a pharmacist. I was like, okay, yeah, but <laughs> I want to be a journalist. <laughs> but at that particular time, it kind of looked like if I did a journalism course, it would kind of water down all the effort that I had done. So journalism is considered a talent. So not something that you can like pursue. So uh, fortunately or unfortunately, I got to, you know, enter 
college or I was admitted to university under the job program. So the job program in the country is the government-sponsored program. I dismissed doing the pharmacy and the medicine and I decided to take the route of a kind of not complicated course but also a course that would still cause me to seem as smart and that course was in finance. So finance is a lot of mathematics. In high school or in primary school, I was actually really poor in mathematics. I was the humanities person, the languages person. And here I was in college doing a mathematics course. Why? Because I had passed quite well in KCSE. You know, it was better than doing medicine. <laughs> so got in. First year was good. Second year, generally speaking, our university was quite interesting, you know, besides the academics, you know, socially, you know, living it up. It was really nice. But I really struggled academically. I remember from, you know, first year was okay. First year is, you know, communication skills. As in the units that we're taught in school are communication skills, HIV and AIDS, ETC, ETC. So it wasn't that hard for me. Second year was also really good. The units in math were fewer than the units in theory. So that year, the math units made absolutely no sense to me. I was really trying, actually. I, I would attend class, I would do my assignments, and I would copy the notes, but I was not getting it. I know that the extra effort in like going to the library, go and, you know, try and read some more was, you know, something that I could have done. But how do you do that when you don't like something? So even, I mean, going to the library to just, you know, sit down and learning corporate finance was really kind of hard for me. I remember feeling constantly humbled just like days before the exam when everyone is running around extremely pumped up uh, people know that topic, this topic, do you know about this topic? Everyone knows you, you're there like, okay, I know I've crammed, but post this exam, I don't think I will even remember what I have learned. So in essence, we can say that I might have turned out to be one of those half-baked Kenyan graduates because honestly speaking, I cannot tell you what we learned in theory. I feel like this kind of took a toll on my self-esteem because when you come from a place of really being extremely smart, um, you've been getting A's, you've been passing kind of, then now you're not passing. So what do you do with that? Anyway, so I couldn't wait to finish uh, university so that I could finish and just get over and done with this course. And I remember the last year of university as being my best year. I actually put the most effort in that year. It kind of salvaged my grades and I was really happy about that. I also really partied in for the um, me and my friends were really excited or looking forward to finishing university and we were feeling like this is the last opportunity to do everything that we need to do that is childish in quotes before we now get into the real world. So 4.2 that is for the second semester came between January and April and in April I stepped out of uni. So I remember when I stepped out of uni, I really 
had lost my mojo. There was just something that was missing. In uni, I had tried to pursue the opportunities of getting uh, my legs into the, the journalism field. So I had come across a couple of gigs that required me to, you know, do one, two, three things that is in like a good gig. I had come across a good gig and had been paid in exposure. So coming out of uni, I, I knew that this is what I needed to do for the rest of my life. Lakini, where, where was I going to start? So came out of uni, I'm feeling kind of, you know, I know what I want to do, but I've lost my mojo. Um wondering if I should now start a new course altogether all or if I should just continue with this thing. And I remember my dad once again told me that I needed to hit the ground running. He told me that you're not supposed to just chill somewhere. Now you're chilling. Now you're finished. You need chill. So him, he started to look for a job for me or on my behalf, trying to get his network to find me a job and I remember telling him that he needed to pause for a bit because first I have come from doing this course that I do not like and they did not even understand why I did not like it um, I need to first think so what I did was the first month after I finished uni I remember going to UNISAV so UNISAV is an organization that helps people study abroad. My thinking then was that I wanted to start uh, another degree. I did not want it to be in the country because I felt like ah, the country in uni, going through uni in Kenya is nice, but academically speaking, it's more content full. It's games, ni jokes. So I went, I was now going to ask them if I could, you know, find a scholarship. And so I went in, I talked to someone, and after I talked to them, they told me that now you can't find a scholarship. The only scholarship you can find is they pay half the school fees, and then you, you pay half the school fees. So I was kind of disappointed. And I remember after I left the offices, I went to the toilet and I cried. Then I went home and then I sat down and told my dad, so this is what I have done. So all this is in, you know, trying to find my oomph back. I need to get to the next thing now to do what I really want to do. And I sat him down and I told him all this. And then my dad told me, now you need to give me two years. <laughs> because I can't just raise the school fees right now. I was like, okay, when I did the mathematics, I decided that in two years, it was to go and study abroad, try and do a master's, not a whole degree. On the side, I I began to do a course, a language in Chinese. And the reason why I did that was to feel like I was doing something out of the box. I was also helping to manage my sister's business at that time, but I wasn't applying for any jobs. And my dad kept telling me, you need to apply for Okay, well, if he asked me to send a CV, I'd send a CV, but I wasn't really putting an effort in trying to get the job. As I was going through the next couple of months, I kind of was feeling, okay, but what will I do now? Okay, I was kind of getting stressed out. I wasn't sure how everything was going to play out. And then fortunately for my friends, they both got jobs. Now I kind of felt 
the pressure. I remember during that time, I began to butt heads with my family because I was trying to, the pressure was kind of building up. I did not want to venture into the career that I had done. I wanted a job, but I also did not want the accounting job. And I did not even know how I would get into the field that I wanted to get into, but I knew I wanted to leave the house. I remember one time they all went to Shags and they left me in the house alone. I had really secluded myself from them and we were really fighting. Me and my sister were even fighting physically. I remember during one of the altercations that we had had, my mom happened to tell me that you should go and get married. I felt really bad because I felt like she did not get it. I felt I didn't feel support from her during that time. And in August, Kenya was going through a census in August. I fortunately got the opportunity to work as an enumerator. So how I even got that job was I wasn't in the list of people who who were texted to, you know, come and start the training for the job. I showed up in the primary school where the training was supposed to happen. And the enumerator job was just a week. But after that week, so I'm talking from August onwards, I just, it's like something just, a cloud just came over me and I became a completely different person. I was doing the bare minimum and the bare minimum was taking a shower and I would spend a lot of time in my bedroom because I was, you know, not talking to my parents, not talking to my sister and they would not see me for days. When I wake up, they've gone to work and then, you know, I'll do my thing. I'll see my nephew here and there. I'll spend the day with him, kind of talk with the, the, with the DM in the evening get into my room and I'd really get tired. I remember I'd sleep and then I'd wake up tired. I'd even sleep kind of late. And when I slept, sometimes I would have very bad dreams. You know, the dreams where you feel like someone is you, like you can't wake up. I think it's called, it's called sleep paralysis. It's like something is pulling you. You're trying to wake up. You're trying to fight your way out of the dream, but you can't. And I remember even during that time, my friends were trying to connect connect with me. And I would constantly tell everyone that tried to call me, you know, hi, how are you doing? You're, you know, how can we link up? And I tell them, I'm trying to get my shit together. I'll tell you when I get my shit together. So at this point, I, I am now trying to apply for the accounting jobs because I'm feeling now what else can I do? I need to maybe try and, you know, apply for this accounting jobs. And then maybe when it comes, at least I can have some money and then, you know, try and find my way. During the next couple of weeks, as my dad continued to send me you know, job openings, the conversation consistently when I had the opportunity to talk to him was, oh, did you apply anything new? Did you apply anything new? Did you apply anything new? And it kind of also started to put a pressure on me because now it felt like, okay, now you need to, you need me to get a job, right? My, my dad and my mom, they sat me down. Now I had lost weight. <laughs> my hair was fucked up. I was in the pits. 
and my mom and dad sat me down and how my dad was trying to encourage me was by telling me his list of networks so he was telling me you know even i've not talked to this guy i've not talked to babanani who works where my mom was like you don't worry you know suddenly she was kind of getting it so don't worry whatever whatever we will find a job and i remember on that particular day they sat me down they took me out to to dinner <laughs> and that was quite surprising because i had not been leaving the house sometimes when depression creeps up on you you kind of forget the outside and i was yes we live in a place where there's a compound but i'd go like 3 days without leaving my bedroom you know you've not left the door <laughs> So we went came back still the same thing people trying to call me how are you doing um I'm okay but I need to get my shit together you will talk when I get my shit together and um my results came in from uni and I was scheduled to graduate in December so I remember by the time I graduated I had lost weight to the 40 47 48 kgs and I'm usually okay well not that I'm that big but <laughs> I'm usually like nachazianga 52 53 54 I'm usually around 50s so I remember procuring an insta fundi to do my dress for my graduation and it was the situation for what you order versus what you get when you're preparing for your graduation your dress is like the last thing you see I received the dress I'm going home I get home my mom is excited she's like okay let's see the dress and then I put the dress on and it does not fit it is absolutely tight my mom told me guys sasa see on your kwenda disco and obviously I couldn't wear the dress tried to call her anyway that is another story I remember on the material day for the graduation I obviously had bought another dress I was extremely happy but also extremely sad extremely sad because I had failed um my friends had failed everyone in my circle had done really well which is really nice but that was a hard day because i was so used to being top of the class after like when all is said and done i remember before when i got my result earlier on i was really scared of sending them to my to my parents when i say i'd failed <laughs> i'd gotten a second class lower well i'd sent my parents the results and my mom was actually quite positive about it so i know the pressure was just on me my mom was like hey as long as you're graduating i think in the previous years some of her friends children had not graduated she could not imagine what would happen if i did not graduate so she was just glad i was graduating my dad he was like okay but the following day i remember he told me where Okay well I'll say it in Kikuyu then translate. He said, "Where how done kawega?" which means you it's okay but you did not do too well. So anyway, my parents threw me a bashment. They threw me a good party for my graduation. They were actually happy. <sighs> And so it kind of felt better that you know at least I graduated. It was still a good day to have graduated. <sighs> so i graduated in in december so everyone is like now you will get a job now that you have graduated now that you have the paper 
now you will get a job. So I remember telling myself, okay, fine. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try this finance thing. And then I'm going to do the gigs on the side. Like maybe if I will, you know, find something else to do on the side. I remember um, I'm usually a person who really believes in new beginnings. So the new year is just for a lot of people as you keep growing you just realize it's just another day it's like the next day after the 31st but for me it's actually a big deal my it's like i'm renewed in january or so i thought so i got an internship in an accounting in a government office in january and i remember i wanted to get to work i knew i needed to just get it my goal was to go there and just learn everything like you know from start like how you learn a b c d you learn the nitty-gritty this is what i need to do so i just i needed to be the best luckily for me i found a very good group of people in the office they were all old so my office bestie was like in his 40s and 50s because, you know, government offices, everyone is quite old. I thought that I was doing well, but in essence, what I was is what they call a high functioning, depressed person. That is someone who is, you know, working, doing things, raising children. Or, well, I'm not raising children, but doing one, two, three things, but they're still not okay. And I did not eat. I lost even more weight. I'd take my, my work clothes every other day to the tailor for them to be fixed. But I was doing well. I, I remember when I would go to work, I'd concentrate, I'd learn, I'd, you know, I'd work well with my colleagues. But when I went home, I'd just shut down. And how I knew, how I know now that maybe even then I wasn't okay was because my bedroom was untidy. I wasn't putting back my clothes. I wasn't, I was just, you know, waking up, doing what I needed to do, getting, going to work early in the morning because, you know, commuting, commuting in Kenya needs you to go early because of the traffic jam. Living on the other side of Thika Road, Thika Road is the superhighway that connects Thika to Nairobi. You know, you need to wake up early so that you beat traffic. So that was, you know, the routine, which was okay. Fast forward to March 2020, COVID-19 hits Kenya and I was deemed non-essential. So unfortunately for me, I had to go home because I wasn't an, an essential worker. <sighs> March, April, my depression was kind of at bay because the whole world has shut down. So we are all the same. There's no pressure to, you know, work. I'm feeling my Everyone is home, my parents, my sister, my friends, everyone, everyone is just at a standstill. I remember during that period of time, I watched a lot of shows that I have not watched. I watched Prison Break, I watched Power, I watched, um, I watched, what else did I watch? I tried to watch Game of Thrones, didn't work. I was at a good, kind of good place. I was not overthinking it or sending my job applications. At least now, you know, those three months I'd really gotten to work and I'd actually learned a lot, but the jobs and the interviews were still not coming. <sighs> So here we are. Uh, my dad is now back at it again. He's like, okay, send the CV here. Send the CV there. And my dad is really tamaking together with me. Sometimes I take the call. I take the phone and call my dad. And I tell him, listen, I'll get the job. Don't worry. You know, I know I'm in my feelings. I'm also... 
the pressure is also high on my side but i always remember to also encourage my dad because he's in in this with me so no no interviews are coming through i started to apply for jobs that were not in accounting and ironically those were the ones that i'd get an email back or a regret or you know a procedure to the next stage and i liked those jobs because they did not involve me sending out my cv because my cv in accounting it's there but it makes me sad because it's not a1 i like the jobs where they there's like pymetric tests so pymetric test is like the test for you do 12 games and then they tell you what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and then they match you to if they tell you your, you you match the job or the ones that give you assessment test they t- they give you situational questions those are the ones that i ace i feel like when i show my cv i kind of get disqualified quickly because I did not do well and then you know with accounting you also need professional papers so I started applying for those kind of jobs and quite recently actually I applied for this job and I went to the first stage and the second stage and the third stage and now I was getting excited I even told my dad I told my sister everyone was like cheering me on the third stage to getting into the fourth stage I unfortunately got a regret and I felt so bad because I had not applied for an accounting job for a month and you know with this kind of applications they take quite some time because you know the first stage then they do the assessment you go to the second the third the fourth and the fifth so I remember seeing that regret in the morning and I and I took a screenshot and send it out to the groups that is the groups is <laughs> my my family group that has my parents and my sister not the groups a group and my best friend so i send it to my best friend and then i just moaned i moaned that day i cried i cried because first of all i had really seen it happening um with that job or that application and because i not applied for accounting jobs for quite some time and i could not imagine going back to send my cv to this applications which i knew i needed to so i remember i cried because even through, through this year i'd tried and really i'd really tried to keep a positive positive mind so and even you know tried to manifest mind you all along i've put everything else on hold i've put social interactions well i'm interacting with people but i am not really interacting with people because it feels like what i need now is to find a job i sat down and then thought about it and i was like why is it such a big deal such a big deal that i have put my my happiness on hold because i can't wait to get a job to be happy <laughs> i remember feeling that even as i was getting into this season of my life in campo i remember we were parting really hard during that last semester because we knew we were getting into the pits we were like we need to drink up we need to go out we need to see each other consistently in the night because we will not be able to do this in a while and that was the mindset 
so I sat down um, after getting that regret and I felt like I had really put my life on pause to first get a job or get my shit together. I cried and I prayed and I told God, listen, I'm tired. I'm tired of telling myself, oh, in July, this is happening. I need to, you know, send out my applications. July comes, passes. I'm like, okay, September. September is definitely the September feels like a good month to get a job. But then the job doesn't come. So I told God, listen, I'm tired and this is what I need. I told him what I needed. I wrote it down and I told him, now onwards, <laughs> that's up to you now. As in, I'm, I'm really not going to overthink this and I need to start calling people. I need to start talking to people. I need to start connecting with people because in twenty in twenty nineteen or beginning of twenty twenty, I'd really really shut people out. Actually, I'd really not. I was only talking. No, I, I still have, but I'm beginning not to. I was only talking to my best friend, who doesn't even know that it's this bad. I mean, sometimes we'll we'll call, we'll video call, and I'll cry. But some weeks are bad, some weeks are good, and. During the next couple of weeks, I was doing quite well because I started to call people and majorly what I I started doing was asking everyone that I got to reconnect with was, I asked them, how is your mental health or how are you doing emotionally, psychologically, physically? So I will always ask my friends that because I realized that Imagine if you're going through this, how many people are going through this outside there who also have not talked to anyone about it. So fast forward to a couple of weeks later, my uncle connected me with one of his network networks and he arranged an interview for me, an accounting interview. So there I was, I, we had spoken with the person that was going to interview me. We had spoken for you know one two days before the interview as he was trying to get to know my qualifications my whatever so i walked into the office and i waited for him so we sat down in the interview he asked me okay so i'm trying to find out uh, what your qualifications are so is this finance so people don't know the difference between financing and accounting a finance person is someone that looks for money or tells you where to invest an accounting person is someone that helps you account for your money. So this guy asks me, okay, so tell me what is a trial balance? And I stutter because I do not know. So I tell him, um, so a trial balance is an accounting statement that does this. It's a you know collection of whatever, whatever, which I'm not sure about. And he's like, hmm, okay. Then he asks me a couple of questions. I can see the disappointment. And that is what I hate. Because you can see someone is not like convinced. Because even you, you're not convinced. You're not, I'm not like confident we finish up and since he, he had talked to me before he was like okay let's you know try and get to know each other who are you tell me your story and i just when we started there and i came back and told my sister this story but i did not tell her that i cried in front of that guy and now i wasn't sure why am i crying am i still like at a bad place mentally ma can't I just get a hold of myself? It's like I like to cry. So I cried. 
And the reason why I cried is because I was explaining to him that I felt bad that I did not feel like I was bringing my best because I did not even like it. So luckily he understood because he has a daughter who went through the same situation as me who was courageous enough to quit what she was doing to pursue something else while she was still in college so he was like okay you know i understand so that took me aback because i was wondering okay so why am i crying is it because not happy am i still not comfortable am i telling myself that i am comfortable with this thing but i am not comfortable because you, you remember the aim is to you know try and give this thing my best shot as i try to venture out into other things so i wasn't sure if that is why am i crying is it why can't i just stop crying so i'm wondering if it's that or if i'm still you know kind of depressed so anyway so that ends um i go home i my dad calls me he's like okay how did it go i'm like okay dad so he said that my qualifications and what he was looking for were not so he was not going to hire me in, in short but it was a good network we had the conversation you know we talked <sighs> so recently i got my footing again because after that interview i kind of got disoriented because i wasn't sure okay my heart really doesn't want this gig for accounting but i really need to do it for sustenance and i was like okay let let me remind myself why i'm doing this so i'm doing this because i need to try it as i try to venture out into another thing so adele that is where i'm at right now so i'm preparing for an exam i actually have an exam in three weeks for okay well still the professional courses so i decided to go on because you need them to kind of scale up you need them to continue okay it's a requirement so i have an exam in three weeks the thing is it's really easy to put yourself in that positive headspace for you know no social media no no comparison but i think the the secret is to consistently remind yourself to be in that headspace because i am actually trying to to be in that headspace over the last couple of months i listened to podcasts i write i pray it gets better actually it's getting better i am not the person or it's not the situation it was in 2019 it's actually gotten so much better you know me i thought that the world owed it to me to get the job because i remember even i kept negotiating with god i'm like god listen i've done this i'm this way why can't i just get a job and then over the years having seen my dad like connect people to jobs you think that when it comes to your turn you you're like ah. so see now my dad will just call sijuhu and then on the next call i'll just be in an office or doing my thing and then it comes and then it's not happening and it's not happening catch more african stories in the next episode of legally clueless I'm just so thankful to Mercy for reaching out, sending her story demo and wanting to share this story on this podcast because it's it's her allowing us into such a vulnerable space that she's in currently. So it's not even something that she experienced years ago and she has gotten to a point that she can talk about it. It's her letting us in as 
something is happening. So I really do appreciate that. And you've heard her areas of interest from finance to journalism. Maybe you work in an organization. I know not many people are hiring, but maybe you work in an organization that could offer an opportunity for her or you have some leads in in those two areas. You can just send a message to the Legally Clueless hotline number and I'll send that information over to Mercy. And her story highlights quite a lot, but I think two things that I'd love to touch on is one, this issue of unemployment and having so many graduates and not enough jobs in Kenya, it's been an issue for years. And one sad bit is that lie that we enforce in young people from primary school to high school to university that keep getting A's, pass with flying colors, and that automatically guarantees you a job, which it just doesn't. It doesn't in this country because not much has been done to figure out the unemployment situation. And it's also a lie because there's just no guarantee. Those two things, passing and getting a job, it's not guaranteed. The other lie that I have had to call myself out on after a friend calls <laughs> me out on it is the lie that when you work hard, you are entitled to success or entitled to a yes. So I remember having a phone call with a very close friend of mine after I had pitched an idea to a potential commercial partner and I put in my heart, sweat and soul into that pitch. I really had given it my all. I'd worked so hard on it. So I was on this phone call telling my friend, yes, I did this. And you know, I worked so hard. Aki, they must give me this job. And he was just like, they really have no obligation. <laughs> to give you this job because you worked hard. That entitlement, you need to nip it in the bud. Yes, give all your pitches and all your work 100%, but don't for one moment think that it entitles you to success or getting a yes when it comes to pitching. It seems like such an obvious thing to know, but before that phone call and before he told me this, I hadn't, I, I, I really was walking around with this entitlement that, hey, may I give this thing my 100 so I know for sure I have to reap the returns of my hard work. It's not always the case. It's not always guaranteed. So yeah, I really connected with Mercy's story. In fact, I think I just recorded it like a week ago and I, just last week actually. And I was like, nope, this, this story has got to go out. ASAP. So just like Mercy, if you want to share your story as well, all you have to do is record a one minute story demo, basically just telling me a bit about the story that you want to share and send that to the Legally Clueless hotline number, which is in the description of this episode. But let me just tell it to you now. Podcast number plus two five four seven six eight six two eight seven nine zero so record the story demo on your whatsapp audio note and then just send it via whatsapp if you're wondering who is screaming in the background it is the neighborhood kids <laughs> i cannot catch a break today man but it's okay. So also on the podcast number, if you connect with an episode, maybe something I said or the story that was in the episode and you want to share your feelings on it, you can also record a voice message and send that to me. I'm so happy I met this podcast. Yanni, yeah, I listened to like all of them, all the episodes. I hope every day when you wake up, you feel good because my... Yanni, the stories that you find and then you're like, 
any the other people who go through the same things as we go through and i'm so happy so happy i met this podcast and i wish you the best and i pray for you that you'll have the strength to wake up every day and continue doing whatever you're doing that is such a sweet message thank you so much i really do appreciate you sending good energy my way because obviously there are days where i'm very motivated to do my best when it comes to the podcast to record as many stories as possible to be as vulnerable as i can be with you but then there are days where it's more of a struggle to do that than others so i appreciate the good energy being sent my way and i was going through the messages on the legally clueless hotline number and it's so amazing to receive messages not only from people in kenya but i found messages from people in rwanda Tanzania, Nigeria, and I was just like, oh my God, this is so sweet of you to listen to the podcast and then to send these messages. I truly do appreciate it. But back to Kenya, if you are based here, you can also catch this podcast on Trace Radio. Just go to traceradio.co.ke. There's a list of all the frequencies that Trace is on locally. And you can also on that website stream Trace. And Legally Clueless plays there every Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 9am and at 8pm as well. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.